Today in worship, we celebrate the ascension of our Savior. Forty days after he rose from the dead, our Savior ascended back into heaven, not to leave us, but to rule over all things for the good of his church, for the good of his people. Today we work with Ephesians chapter 1 as Paul helps us to understand why our Savior ascended into heaven and to fill us with ascension, comfort, and joy. Crown him the Lord of heaven, enthroned in worlds above. Crown Christ our King, the King of love, our Savior. In his name, we turn our hearts to the word written in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Paul writes, This is why 
Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ fully. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, just how rich his glorious inheritance among the saints is, and just how surpassingly great his power is for us who believe. It is as great as the working of his mighty strength which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and made him head over everything for the church. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The word of the Lord. In the name of our King, our ascended Savior, the Lord Jesus, my dear friends. The CEO of some major company unexpectedly announces that he's going to be resigning his position He's going to go and work for a, a different firm and start to lead it. And people wonder, why is he doing that now? He's making an astronomical salary. He's a perfect fit for this company. They're finally turning a, a really nice profit. Why in all the world would he leave now? Why did Jesus ascend back into heaven? I mean the disciples finally had their Savior back. He had only spent three years of public ministry here in the face of the earth. There certainly were other people that he could preach to and teach to and, and people that he could heal and help. And besides which, now the, the, the suffering and the cross were behind him. He's risen from the dead. Now it looks like the Christian church is really ready to take off and, and start growing. And then he takes off and heads back into heaven. We say it all the time in both the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, he ascended into heaven. But why? Making sense out of the Savior's ascension and deriving comfort and joy from it becomes a whole lot easier when we let our hearts focus on the word that is written here in our text from Ephesians chapter 1. These are words that the Apostle Paul wrote and sent off to the Christian church in Ephesus. Paul was writing these words from his prison cell where he was being detained for the crime of preaching the gospel. But he wanted God's people to focus on their ascended Savior and to find comfort and resolve and strength in knowing that Jesus ascended into heaven. And he did so, first of all, so that we would know him better. Maybe you'll remember the night before he died, Jesus was talking with his disciples. 
and he told them that he was going to be going away. In the short term, yes, he'd be going away into the hands of his enemies, he'd be going away to the cross, but in the long term, he would be going away from them, at least visibly, and ascending back into heaven. And Jesus explained to them there, though they didn't fully grasp it at the time, that his going away would actually benefit them because then they would come to know him better. He promised them that he would send them the Counselor, the Holy Spirit. And he said, unless I go away, that Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Part of the reason why Jesus ascended back into heaven was to be able to send the Holy Spirit to his people. That was an important gift. You might remember that there are a number of times in the Gospels where Jesus was teaching his disciples things and they didn't understand what he was driving at. They didn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Against that backdrop now, notice what Paul prays in our text in verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And why does he want that to happen? He says, for the blessing of knowing Christ fully. Now that sounds pretty strange at first, doesn't it? Jesus ascended so that we would know him better, know him more fully. Wouldn't you expect that to get to know somebody better, to know them more fully, you'd have to be in their presence, hanging out with them, spending time with them? And yet we see that this is exactly what happened in the lives of the apostles. Ten days after Ascension Day, on Pentecost, as we'll celebrate next weekend, the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people in wonderful measure, just as Jesus promised. And what a change we see. The disciples, now turned apostles, stood before a crowd of thousands of Jews, and they preached a powerful sermon with law and gospel, and they spoke with crystal clarity, proclaiming the whole counsel of God. They weren't confused any longer. The difference maker, Jesus had ascended and had sent them the Holy Spirit. Notice that Paul refers to the Holy Spirit here as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation because of this book, the Bible. The Holy Spirit gave to those apostles not only the words and the message that they could preach to people, but gave them the very words that he wanted written down here in the word of truth, the word that testifies about Christ. Here, in these pages of God's holy word, the Bible, we have the holy scriptures that testify about Christ. And as we take up the Word of God and immerse ourselves in the Word of God, we come to know Christ more fully. Do you think about your Bible that way? Sometimes don't we all just kind of take the Bible for granted? Do you really realize and appreciate the power that sits on that shelf in your home? That is God's written affidavit, his love letter sent to you. The Bible isn't just a spiritual rule book. The Bible isn't there for you just to nail down some important facts so that you can recite them about what happened here and what happened there. God gave you this word so that you could know Christ more fully 
Jesus ascended back into heaven and gave us the Holy Spirit and gave us the word so that we would know him better. Paul gives a second reason why Jesus ascended into heaven so long ago on that Mount of Olives. He did so in order to get our hopes up. Now, in, in one manner of speaking, the disciples had their hopes up that first ascension day. It's 40 days after Jesus had risen from the dead, and they were thrilled to now have their Savior back. His death on the cross had left them frightened and panicked and confused. But then he appeared to them, alive and well, on a number of occasions over the course of about 40 days, and everything seemed right again. In fact, on their way to the Mount of Olives, the disciples even asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus doesn't really address their question directly. Instead, he shifts their focus to Judgment Day, but it certainly seems as though the disciples were having an earthly idea of Jesus, that their focus was on this, the world around them. Lord, are, are you now going to free us from Roman rule and domination and, and give us our freedom back and set up a, a wonderful earthly kingdom now, Lord? The disciples seem to have a tendency to get wrapped up in earthly things. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus had to kind of gently chide them for worrying about things that their heavenly Father knew that they needed and would grant to them. The night before he died, Jesus had to stop an argument that broke out among the disciples. They were arguing with each other about which of them was the greatest in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had to warn them not to get so caught up in securing earthly benefits and earthly pleasures that they would forfeit their own soul. Are we really so different? I mean, be honest with yourself. When it gets right down to it, at the end of the day, how much time in the course of a day do you spend focused on your life with Christ. And who among us hasn't been sick with worry about how to take care of the things that life throws at us? Haven't we all caught ourselves at times being far more concerned about a loved one's career path than we are whether they'll remain on that narrow path that leads to life forever in heaven? What if we were to spend as much time focusing on the kingdom of God and the things that God wants us to know about life in his kingdom as we do obsessing about things going on in our country and our world today? I mean, for all the complaining that we do about life in this world, we're kind of enamored by it. Friends, one of the reasons that Jesus ascended back into heaven was to get our hopes and our focus up. Can't you picture the disciples there on that hill that day? I imagine they were looking up into heaven and their mouths gaping wide open and they're scratching their head wondering, what in all the world? Where are you going, Jesus? But they were looking up. And then suddenly a couple of heavenly angels came to reassure them and said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way, visibly, riding on the clouds, that you've seen him go into heaven. 
and the church began its watch for the Savior's glad return. Ascension reminds us to keep our eyes focused on heaven, to be ready for Jesus to come again in glory. And isn't that what Paul is talking about here in our text in verse 18? He says to the Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, heaven. Just how rich his glorious inheritance among the saints is. Our inheritance isn't here in this world. Our inheritance is in heaven, and Jesus won it for us by suffering and dying for the sins that would have disqualified us. He has opened forever the gates of heaven for us. It's filled with riches. He's there. He inherited that glory when he ascended back into heaven, and he's waiting to bring you into that rich inheritance too when his time is right, and that inheritance will never perish, spoil, or fade away. It's all ours in Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on him. See, the eyes of our heart need focus too, an upward focus. Scripture begs with us, brothers and sisters, to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Scripture reminds us that we are simply foreigners, travelers here, passing through this this vacation land on, on our way to our real home in heaven. Scripture reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven, that heaven is our home. Jesus ascended so that we wouldn't get so horribly obsessed with all of the things around us in this world. Our ultimate hope is up, not down here. Jesus ascended to get our hope and our focus up. And finally, Jesus ascended to bless his church. Here, too, you'd think it would be the opposite, right? Haven't there been times in your life when you thought to yourself, if I could just have Jesus right here, right next to me, visibly, so I could see him right now? But you know, even when the disciples did have Jesus right there with them so they could see him visibly, still they didn't always feel so secure. Remember that day out on the the Sea of Galilee, the storm came up, Jesus was fast asleep in the boat. The disciples dread and panic. In fact, they run and wake Jesus up and they, they say, don't you care if we drown? How many times didn't Jesus have to tell them, don't be afraid? For three years, they had seen Jesus' mighty power on display, one amazing miracle after the next, but still, they often found themselves afraid. Not after the ascension, they didn't. After that gracious outpouring of the Holy Spirit from heaven, they came to realize just how all-encompassing the power of the risen Christ really is. And they were bolstered by his power. They went out and preached and taught fearlessly the truths of Jesus. And they were threatened. And they were harassed. And they were imprisoned. And they were stoned. And they were beheaded. And still they kept at it because they understood Jesus is in his heaven. He's guiding this. He's watching over us. He will bless us as we commend ourselves to him. Paul reminds us of that power here in our text in verse 19. He tells us that it's a surpassingly great power and that it is at work for us who believe. Stop and soak that in for a minute. Christ's surpassingly great power is at work every moment of every day behind the scenes in ways that we often don't see and don't perceive. 
Christ's power is at work for you. I mean, isn't that comforting? Whatever it is that has you all worked up and frazzled today, God's got it. There's surpassingly great powers at work for you who believe. Paul points out that Jesus has taken the highest station. He has ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's not a place where he sits. That's a position that he holds. He exercises all power. And and we're told that God placed everything under Jesus' feet. I think there's two possibilities there. Either that's telling us that God put everything under Jesus' jurisdiction. He's in charge of everything. Everything's under his feet. Or it's giving us the picture of a conquering hero who's putting his foot on the back of the neck of his conquered enemy to give us assurance that the victory is won. Both of them are true. And both of them are powerfully comforting. God appointed Jesus, ascended into heaven, to be head over everything for the good of his church. We need that comforting knowledge because God knows how easily we can get rattled God isn't in the dark about what's happening in our world today. God fully understands, way better than we do, that this is a very confused, very troubled, very wicked, very violent, very apathetic world. He knows that we can look at how twisted and dangerous our world has become and start shaking in our boots. And he knows that sometimes we can look at the mission that he's given us as a church and start to feel overwhelmed. How are we going to make any progress when a growing number of people simply couldn't care less? Today, Jesus points us back to the throne. He says, I'm here. I'm on my throne. I'm ruling over everything for the good of the church. Nothing escapes my notice and nothing is beyond my control Trust that. Jesus is in charge. Remember that the next time that you get filled with all kinds of what-ifs and yeah-buts in life. I mean, folks, let's plan carefully. Let's work diligently. Let's pray hard. Let's not forget to read what he promised us here. Believe that Jesus Christ is still on his throne that everything is still under his feet, that he is still guiding everything for the good of his people, for the good of his church. Understand that as long as Jesus is still on his throne, everything's going to be fine. It's that surpassingly great power that is at work for us who believe. Leaving Jesus now? Yes, leaving, ascending back into heaven, but still with you very much as your unseen guest at your side every single minute of every single day with you, he promised, always to the very end of the age. He ascended into heaven, not to retire, not to get away from us. He ascended into heaven just the opposite so that you would know him better So you would always keep your hopes and your focus up so that he could bless you every day with his his surpassingly great power that is at work for you who believe. He ascended into heaven. 
and he's our king, our savior, our Lord. Amen.